everyone, and welcome to episode 328 of This Is Whole Life. And this week, I never know what to do on communion weeks, because it's always a, it's an abbreviated message. It was a fantastic program. So even if you weren't able to be here in person to experience it, we had a skit. And by the way, Tammy and team, to me, Tammy wrote it and the team performed it. And I would say to perfection. Yeah. Uh, they did a great they job. They really did a good job. And to me, that was really important for the way you brought the message this week because yeah, it, it teed was it up nicely, huh? It was a different message in a way that I haven't seen it done traditionally before in actual communion service. And so to have that, and I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but each person that got up and in that piece, Edgar and uh, Mike and Dale, Dale, and then I don't and know. Tam, Tam, her name's Tamson. 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 Oh, yeah. that's right. Tamson. Yeah. Each one of them, even though not each person was maybe me, or a situation wasn't me. I found a little bit of me in everybody's story. Yeah, if right. that if that yeah. makes any sense, oh, which absolutely. is really the point. Yeah. yeah. And so I th- I thought that was really again if it communion is always one of those things when people are like communion that sounds like community but not and it's like well yeah it's kind of community not but it's kind of community too and we do and I think well, I forget what Ken said exactly I didn't write it down but he said. You know, there's things that Adventists do that are a little weird, and washing feet is one of them. It's got to be at the top of the list. <laughs> if you don't know anything, like if you're not, if you're not, if you've not grown up in the Seventh Day Adventist faith, yeah, no. washing feet is one of the most bizarre things. And and if you grew up Seventh Day Adventist, you don't really think anything about it. It's like, oh yeah, of course we do that. But if you if you're not used to it, it really and even if you did grow up sometimes for a number of people, it's one of those things that kind of throws them for a loop. It's it's just not something that we do. Did you take a shower that morning so your feet your feet are smashed? Did Look, you put, did I try to get I try to get a pedicure <laughs> before before uh, before communion week. Uh, we've all washed somebody's feet with you know it's like whoa they don't make uh, they don't make toenail clippers in your neck of the woods huh? And uh, you know, <laughs> wow, I, got, not, I, got, I, I just learned of... who's not going to be ever washing my feet. That's Randy. Uh, I got a cut over here. What's going? <laughs> no, no. But seriously, people don't like you to mess with their feet, and I get it. I hated fit washing growing up. But then later on, it was like, wow, this is really a way to yeah. really connect with somebody. And it's really weird for guys because it was always, at least at my church, it was always guys over here, girls over here. And it doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you've got a special person. You will find somebody that you don't know and that is probably even more uncomfortable. And you can do it that way, mister. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I always just was like, mm, eh. Can I join the deacon team for a day and just be the guy that carries the heavy buckets of water in and out for clean water? I'll do that. How about that? I say it's weird, and I do think that for people who aren't used to it, it's very weird. But for me, again, there's a lot of meaning to it. Over the years, I've really, I really appreciate it. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But again, if you're not used to it, it can really, really seem very strange. Usually if we don't have the response time where we can do the Q&A, we don't get that many questions. But there were there were a handful of questions in the comments this week mm. about the foot washing. Yeah. And then did Ken talk about it and I missed it? And then there was hand washing, which is new. And where did that come from? Why where did you, was that your idea? Was that No, Tammy's? that was Tammy's. That was Tammy's idea. Not that I wouldn't be glad to have claimed it because I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> no, I think so too. Um, 
yeah, that was that was uh, Tammy came to me and said, I don't know if this is going to be too far out for you. How do you feel about doing it? I thought I said, let's let's try it. I think that would I think that would be really meaningful to to try and to do that. And so we did. And, uh, you know, it. you know, I don't know if I'd want to do it every time that we do uh, communion service, but I thought that it was really effective and I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the ritual and tradition that we forget the point of what's what's really going on, that, that the washing of the feet, Jesus washing of the feet, it wasn't that the feet was, was somehow the focus of things, oh, yeah. but the, the purpose of what Christ was doing was, was the representation of, of, of being a servant and, and cleansing, cleansing someone else. And, and so... I thought that it was just a beautiful representation to do it in a modern context. Modern, in yeah. Jesus' time, it, washing the feet was very much something that was done, and there was also a ritual washing of hands as well. But the washing of the feet was the was was the big thing. Today, we don't wash feet, ex, you know, except on our own in a, in a shower. Not certainly not before we go in to eat. But all of us have been told at one point or another, go wash your hands, hands before you come and come eat. Dinner, yeah. And and so it was the same in Jesus' day with the feet. And so I thought it was really kind of a neat thing to kind of put it in a modern context. I love that that we didn't have to do the ritual getting up, everybody kind of clomping out of the out of the worship center down to the, like you said, men over here, women over there, couples here, and then clomping back in and I really like that we were able to do all of that right in the seats where we were at, and it felt to me from where I was sitting and observing that it felt like people really engaged with it. And so the whole point of of what Jesus wanted us to do is to engage with it and to and sometimes when you change up your traditions just a little, it actually kind of brings back into focus the reason why you had the tradition in the first mm. place. And so I really liked thought it was really, really brilliant. That what uh, Tammy came up with. Yeah. yeah, I think that in one aspect, you, you know, because we've we've kind of dubbed this the ordinance of humility, right? And so uh, there might be that aspect of well, you're not down, you know, in a more submissive uh, posture. But on the other side of it, it almost it seemed much more like a, an intimate. You know, there's mm-hmm. you're dealing with somebody's hands mm-hmm. and uh, say what you like about feet, but people have, you know, with now people cover up their feet with shoes and yeah, yeah. it's much more about <laughs> embarrassment than it is about, you know, somebody being humble. But I think the hands brought out that, I think what Jesus was actually showing is that service and service has a sense of intimacy to it. Mm. And, uh, Human touch, maybe just yeah. in general, and so I think that that in a way I think was developed. Even some, I, I felt it was almost developed as good, if not better, in a hand. Yeah, to I hand. heard conversations in the lobby. Someone was having. Uh, I didn't know either one of them. I just happened to be walking by, and the thought was after COVID. Our hands, you know, people, to, you know, people don't <laughs> yeah. want to get as close, and they don't want to touch. Yeah. No matter how you feel about COVID, it's been heightened awareness of germs and transfer of germs and things like that. So I think that maybe, maybe this was the best time ever to yeah. maybe pull this one out and see how it worked. But everyone seemed to really be touched, and and in in the service as well, just in general, the way everything came off. And the question that I had, 
and, and I, t- I think about this probably more than I, than I should, and it seems to happen every time we have a communion. Jesus says a lot of things in the Bible, some really good things. You know, he talks about the Beatitudes and, and the greatest of these is love and taking care of the widows and the, and the orphans. And he gives us all these things to do and all this good advice to make our life better. Why is this? I mean, it's, it's the Last Supper. It's before the crucifixion. But there's so many, other, like, we're supposed to do all these things, and we don't do them on the regular. And I guess maybe we don't do communion every so often. But why this? Why is this so important that we, like, Catholics and Christians and Protestants pretty much agree on the fact that, you know, we're going to take the body and the, and the wine and, and we're going to celebrate this that's not that's really uncommon. What why is this what we've chosen to focus on? Well, what other things are you thinking of that Jesus said to do that you're wondering? I mean, what are you well, kind of juxtaposing it with? I'm thinking about the beatitudes. Yeah. Really is the biggest one. To me that's more countercultural. Yeah, the foot washing that was someone in a low position that would perform that at the last supper should have been somebody there. The disciples don't think of it or they just for whatever reason, it had to be this way, however you want to look at that. It just seems like there's so many things like we should be celebrating these ideas of flipping the world on its ear in all stages of life when he talked about the Beatitudes. And here is, and I get it's part of salvation and the cross, but this was prior. And I I mean, I'm just wondering why this is, it's just like, and, and the fact that so many people agree just seems really odd to me. Like everyone was like, I think we can get on board with this. I think it comes from what Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. A lot of the other ones, you know, are blessed are, you know, the poor in spirit, blessed are these people. But what Jesus says at this this particular point in time, and the reason why I think, you know, across Christendom, we tend to celebrate communion, um, depending on what part of Christendom you are, you will celebrate it differently. Sure. Yeah. Um but I think the reason it's stuck is because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me until I return. So I think Christians have realized that this is one of the ways that we remember Christ, that we really internalize what he did. You know, maybe a comparison to a certain extent would be the way that we as Seventh-day Adventists celebrate uh, Saturday as Sabbath, that it, it's something that we do with frequency because we believe it helps us remember something that all too easily can be lost from sight if we don't make it a practice on a regular basis. And and you think about the things that communion service embodies, and you, I mean, you mentioned that the Beatitudes, communion embodies all of that, the humility, the celebration of not what the world sees as best, but what God sees as best. Mm. And okay. and so for me, communion casts a pretty wide umbrella over over Christ's teachings. There's the sacrifice, there's the humility, there's the love, there's um there's the service. service. There's yeah. there, it's just all kind of embodied in there. There's the it's it's righteousness by faith. It, it's the it's the fact that you can't save yourself, that you have to have Jesus do all of that for you. Jesus has to wash your feet. Jesus has to give you the bread. Jesus has to give you the wine. Jesus has to do all that. And so to me, that that's the beauty of communion. If you really stop and 
make it more than a ritual, uh, yeah. make it more than a tradition, then it will it will point you right back to everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus taught. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about how first century early Christians were practicing this. You know, we have a little bit of an idea from Corinthians, but um, but it does sound much more like this was a meal, and this was this was. This was when they came together. There was communion. There was food. There was eating, and and there was as often as you eat this bread enough as you drink this drink. So you know you you kind of have this idea. I think that Jesus is saying to his disciples, "Hey, I want to be part of your life, and and just like you, just like bread is a part of your life, and and when you you eat bread and when you drink, this I want. That's how I want you to." To me, to be a part of mm. of your life, I like that. and um, and so I, I do. Th- I agree with Ken. I think it. I, first century church, by the way, I don't think they had little communion cups. I, <laughs> I, no, and I don't or, or little, have the thimble or little, of uh, a quarter inch uh, square and, and, and bread the, and the wafer, <laughs> the wafer yeah. of death in the in the camp. Exactly. They didn't have those. <laughs> you mean the piece of plastic? That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. No, and, well, and I, I just also but, do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I just want to kind of expand on what Jeff said. I think Jeff really hit the nail on the head here. In our denomination, we tend to practice communion on a quarterly basis, so four times a year. But I really think that that Christ did have something more in mind than than quarterly. I think that He was trying to point out to us that every time you eat, every time you drink. Remember me. Remember me. And so he tied he tied himself to one of the most basic functions mm-hmm. that we have as human beings. One of the things that we have to do to sustain ourselves to remain alive. And he tied himself to that and said, "Remember me." And so maybe maybe we would do better to to remind ourselves every time we have a meal that that it's Christ that that's the protein that's the carbohydrates that's the good carbohydrates of course but, okay, <laughs> that, but yeah, it's Christ that that's, that gives us the 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 power to live our life and to have strength hmm. and that Christ is the the liquid that we're consuming he's that the blood of Christ that brings cleansing you know liquid goes through your body and it cleanses if you're drinking the right liquids um, <laughs> yeah. it'll cleanse you and and that's what Christ does for us. He, his blood cleanses us. And so anyway, so I think that the challenge, you know, and what I really appreciated about the service and what Tammy put together this last Sabbath was that it's very easy when you have traditions to let them get very rote and very, very normalized. It's like when I lived in New Zealand and looked at the scenery the first week, it was amazing. It was incredible. Take as take pictures and then after a month or so it just became normal it didn't there was it was you know, it's, you know it's kind of pretty but it's just what you see it every day when you wake up yeah and so i think one of the challenges for all of us as christians is find ways to refresh and rethink who christ is so that we we don't lose the awe of who he is mm. and what he did for us hmm yeah, no, that's a. It just always makes me nervous when, a, like, a large group of people all pretty much agree on something, and you think to yourself, <laughs> you know. And I think that's well, a, take I, some comfort. Yeah. We don't agree on it. Catholics no, do do they do, uh, do communion almost every week, in, right? In, in every service, and they believe something. They you know they believe that the uh, you know that the bread and becomes the literal body of, of Christ, Christ. Yeah. and so. 
if it makes you feel any better, we we yeah. have some differences no, no, there. We, so <laughs> we don't believe that. We believe that it's symbolic. And, yeah, and uh, we I, do I, it quarterly. So I there you go. You can you can rest a little bit better, Randy. I can't think we of don't it all any, do it all the same. I can't think of it any other way than symbolically. That just doesn't work for me. I think that when we don't think about it that way, like you just talked about the refreshing, then that's where it's like, well, we do once a quarter, let's just plan for it. And that's why I think everyone appreciated the, not only the message, but everything about the worship service, because it really was a true worship service. Mm -hmm. And it was so different because it's, it's easy to just kind of get in that rut. And this, you know, this is the verses that we read because there's nothing wrong with that. It's from the Bible and this tells the story. And when he says, you know, eat the bread, we eat the bread. When he says, drink the cup, we drink, we drink the, the juice. And, and when we move forward, we have our prayers and then it's kind of done. And even if you did make it through the foot washing and then through the rest of it, at the end, sometimes it feels a little, it, it feels a little like a little bit of a letdown, like, well, man, I guess we're done with that already. And I was thinking about maybe communion was going to be, I don't know, a different kind of experience, but when you talked about the disciples, that all of them entered with selfish ambition and that someone was going to desert Jesus. Well, they were all going to desert Jesus in the night. And then two of the closest, you know, Peter denies him three times and Judas obviously betrays him. And all had the opportunity. I love how you said it. All 12 had the opportunity until one, you know, obviously, you know, Peter left and he decided he didn't want to be there. Judas. But, or Judas, sorry. But e each one of them got served by Jesus. Mm -hmm. He just took care of everything that they didn't want to do, refused to do, and was just sitting there. But I, again, it's not like it's a new story, but the way that you told the story made me sit and think about if I was not even Peter or Judas, but any one of them who was all like, all right, now we go in there tonight. You know, we got to have a plan. We got to make sure that somehow we come out on top. Think, you know, maybe the sons of thunder or, you know, whatever. Like we got to be figuring out all these different things that, and, and we do it ourselves. We do it every day. But how can we make this better? How can we improve this when really it's just rest and let God be in control? But thinking about what they were thinking about and then, and then thinking that Jesus just, doesn't say he just goes about and does it. And I think that's where for me, I think about, well, what did Jesus do for me today? I don't always see it. I don't always think about it. And then you get caught up in those other pieces of your life where I got a plan. I got to do this. And I don't know how that's going to work out. But I guess if I, you know, you, you take, you make lists, you try to plan. And it just seemed like it was all this busyness. You can almost feel the tension in the room and then just like your heart has to hit the floor if Jesus bends down in front of you and washes your feet. Well, then what do you do if you're number two? Like, you know, it does, I don't think it says who he started with or ended with or whatever. But if you think of whoever he picked to start first and you're like, wait a minute, because you're thinking someone else is going to do it. And then it just goes around the room. Man, it had to be palpable by two or three in and then all the way for 12. That just I I when yeah. you think of it, it just makes you. It starts to make you feel like wow. Yeah, it does. It it's actually that's 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 interesting. You would say that because that's always got me all through my life. Yeah. Is that here they've been with him for probably three years or so at least. They they understand 
what he's been trying to say. I mean, they got there to that to that time, still probably arguing about who's better and who's going to get the yeah. you know the close seats. But you would think after at least the fourth or the fifth guy, another guy would grab a towel and go, "Okay, I get it. I need to start." Or, or let's help. gang up and finish up. Right? Yeah, or let's you know let's pair. I'll do you. You know, yeah. so Jesus doesn't have to do all twelve. But that's exactly ah. what happens. And that, yeah. I get to think of that. It makes me so uncomfortable to think about that. Yeah. And then I wonder what do I do in my life when. I'm, or maybe it's the opposite. I'm trying to do things I should let him do, and he's going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I got this. If you just let me do it." Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had to wash twelve people's feet, <laughs> but it takes a while. I was, right, especially it really then. does. I've I've been a part of a yeah. a service where you know, as a leader, I was tasked with washing the feet of the people that were working under me, and. It takes even, and this is, you know, North American standard feet. You right, know, we're not right. talking about, you know, dirt caked yeah. in the, you know, yep. and it it takes a while. So, yeah, it had to be kind of awkward sitting there waiting for Jesus to come around to you. And it, uh. it must have been a real thought provoker. And And I think that the other thing that I think that we tend to read into the story without realizing is that we know what's about to happen next. Mm, yeah. And the disciples, even though they'd been warned, they didn't. They didn't get it. I, I remember coming down here to Florida for some professional meetings down here, getting down here and getting a phone call from my mother saying, your cousin, who's just a year younger than me, is in the ER and it's not looking good. And wow. I remember a few hours later saying your cousin's passed away. And it was this just, you know, in one moment you're I mean, I was down here, Rashawn and I come down here, we were kinda, you know, there's the professional meetings, but then we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. We're we're we'd look forward to this. She'd taken off time to do this. And then everything was just stood on its head. Just everything changed. Instead of planning on being there, we now we're we're driving to Lincoln, Nebraska, and everything has changed. You know, in this heartbeat, and and that's the part that I, I think we ought to really think about with the disciples. We read the story, and we read it in the light of the uh, the context of Jesus is going to the cross. He's about to be beaten. The disciples didn't experience that in that context. They didn't get what was about to happen yeah. next. And it was a lightning bolt that out of the clear blue sky that hit them that later on that evening when Judas came and betrayed Jesus, and it completely blew their mind. They just did not, even though Jesus had said the Son of Man is going to be betrayed to the, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, we live in a in a society where you're, it's good to be paranoid, good, you know, be paranoid, Jesus, it's okay. <laughs> they didn't, but they didn't believe it. They didn't think that that could ever happen. Jesus, I mean, yeah. Jesus had just come down the streets of Jerusalem with people waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, the son of David. So how is that going? How is he going to be crucified? How is I mean, how is something bad going to happen to him two days later, three days later, whatever? It's not going to. That's what they're thinking. And yet it completely changed everything for them. And I think that you know, one of the lessons we can take away from that experience that they had when it comes to communion is that we don't know what's happening next. No, I mean, we, no. we, you know, what's going to come along that's going to be life-changing, altering. And, and But the 
good news is is that Jesus will be with us. He's not going to he's going to be there to sustain us. I mean, think about what the disciples didn't know that they needed to be sustained for that they received from Jesus that night. Mm, yeah. I mean, they they didn't know they were going to need to be sustained through this rough thing that was about to happen and yet Christ provided what they needed before they before that happened to them. So we can be th- we can be grateful to God for what He does for us. Well, and and maybe the thing that stuck with me most was I had never heard the idea of when Peter and John were were in was it was Peter and John right? Yeah, yeah. Peter and John are in, are in close proximity to Jesus, and they're like you know who's, he said you know someone's going to betray me and ask him you know who who who's it going to be, and you can totally see that conversation happening, but that it was more of a private conversation, not for everyone's ears. And then the the dipping of the bread in the yeah. bowl being a, a thing of honor, yeah. being special. So, I mean, at this point, Judas knows that Jesus knows. Yeah. So how how uncomfortable is that? And probably why he <laughs> ends up leaving early, because he probably just can't take it. you got to be in a cold sweat by this point. Well, Jesus basically tells him to leave. <laughs> yeah. You're going to do what you're going to do. do yeah. If you're going to stay, stay. If you're going to go betray me, go Ugh. betray me. But yeah, I think that again, one of the things that can sign it, kind of get us a little bit lost is that the uh, you know the Last Supper depiction that we see, we see Jesus sitting at a table with his disciples. That's that's not accurate whatsoever because um, in those times they they ate reclining. They basically have their left hand to support themselves, and then their right hand would be to dip into the food and eat. Well, so what that means is that you're you're laying next to the table with your feet pointing away. And so to the, the point you're talking about, it's not 100%, but most theologians think that, that Judas was probably, probably in front of Jesus reclining, and that John—I'm sorry, John was kind of in front of Jesus, so he would have been on Jesus' kind of right hand, on so to right speak, side, and then yeah. Judas was kind of behind Jesus. And so they think that Peter must have been sitting somewhere or reclining somewhere else to be able to catch John's eye— because literally the way it translates out is that 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 Peter lo- nods at <laughs> at you know you know the the what's up nod mm-hmm, you, know, yeah. like, what, you know and so there's no conversation it's just hey ask him yeah and and so it then the bible then says that that John reclined on Jesus chest and you just imagine this i know it's a little weird in our society you know that where we have kind of a personal space bubble but it wasn't that way in their time. It was a. Uh, it was like this highest honor for John to be so close to Jesus, he could literally lay his head on Jesus' chest while Jesus is eating. So John leans back and, and says to Jesus, "So who is it?" And Jesus is close. You think about if if John's head is is at Jesus' chest, Jesus doesn't have to yell. He doesn't. In fact, he can whisper. Yeah, if he wanted to, but then keep in mind that Judas is right there too, and so Jesus says it loud enough that Judas can hear too. He says, "The one that I dip, you know, dip this bread right into in and, and mm-hmm. hand it to." So, like you said, Judas knew. Judas wow. knew what Jesus was saying, and it was this beautiful invitation for from Jesus to change to Judas to change his mind. Now and, and I was went, that I was gonna ask was that one last ditch effort to I say I believe so. Is that what you think? I I, I believe so. Okay. And and here's here's the other thing that I think is super important. And and maybe it should be something that scares those of us who are leaders. 
But I think it's incredibly significant that everybody who ever betrayed God was always really close to him. Mm. Think about it. You take Lucifer. Lucifer was one of the archangels. Angels, yeah. That means that he was right there. I mean, you think about you know that that Ark of the Covenant. You know, in the the angels with their wings over top of that ark. Lucifer was one of them. Satan was one of those angels. You don't get any closer Closer. to God. You just don't. And and then you think about Judas. Judas was close to Jesus. I mean, in the in that Last Supper, he was very close. And and the point that I want to make is we sometimes have this idea that that God, it kind of casts does does what we do. Which if if he knows that somebody's going to betray him, he's going to push them kind of farther away and. And that's just the opposite. What God does is God always takes the people that are most likely to betray him, the people who are, and he brings them the closest to him. He, mm. he brings them in and with the deep desire that, that they would know him and that their hearts would be changed. And so for each one of us, the thing that we, we ought to kind of hold on to a little bit is that when God draws us close, we have an option. We can let our heart become softened by that interaction, or we can let it be hardened by that interaction. John the Beloved, his heart is softened. I mean, he's a son of thunder. It's, that wasn't a term of endearment. It meant he, maybe he was a hothead. Yeah. And then there's Peter. <laughs> Peter's very close to Jesus too, also a hothead. But the difference between Peter and John and Judas was all in how they, they interacted with Jesus. Judas didn't want to be changed. He didn't, didn't matter how close Jesus brought him, how much Jesus showed him of himself— he just pushed it away. And John and Peter, on the other hand, they allowed it to soften their heart and change them as people. I mean, obviously, it didn't change them right away. Yeah. Because Peter denied <laughs> Peter Jesus. Denied that later that night, yeah. John was, you know, John is has his faults too. And my point is just this, just that God spares no expense in trying to bring us to him and, and giving us every opportunity to know who he is and to choose him. Yeah, I think that's powerful because maybe outside of Satan, then it's like Judas, then the rest of the uh, the rest of the disciples, and then the children of Israel, the people like like yeah. we like to dump on. You know, for like, well, you had you had everything. You had God. You had yeah. Jesus. You had the pillar of fire. You were you could rest your head on Jesus's. On his, you know, on his, his chest, on his yeah. chest, and he dipped the bread with you. He gave you this special thing after he knew, and you knew he knew. He still did it anyway to bring you closer. And I think it's so many times you you feel like, well, what's the difference if if God knows that I'm already like he already knew he was going to do it? Why make the the extra gesture when he already knew it? But it's just like you said that one more time of come on, one more. One more. You know, the Bible tells us that God doesn't want anyone to be lost. Yeah. And it doesn't say that no one will be lost. It says that God doesn't want anybody to be lost. And what that means is that God pulls out every stop possible hmm. for our salvation. God is not up there trying to find ways so that we can lose. He's He's up there trying to find every way so that we can win. The way the—I think it was pretty close to the end where you tied it into Isaiah— where it is, the, I, I'm not going to do this again until I've never made that connection before. I've never heard it presented in that way. And and Heather and I were talking about it last night. She was just telling me about how powerful that was. And, and kind of, uh, I was hoping she would send in something for me <laughs> to read because the way she said it so eloquently, 
and and how it touched her heart. She's like, well, if I do that, I have to be anonymously. I don't want anyone to think it was me. And I'm like, why not? This is <laughs> that'll was, teach her not to send in the anonymous <laughs> right. thing for so, you. Now. But I can't tell you what she said because I could no way come close to it. But for anyone that wasn't there or, or missed the message, give us an idea of that tie-in because I think that makes it. If you always wonder, well. Jesus, is, you know, my grandpa thought he was coming in his time, and and my parents, and you know, they're they're getting old, and still not here. And shoot, I'm getting old, and you know, how long is it going to be? And you know, sometimes you know, heaven, right? Is this is this a, is this a thing really? And it was such a boost because if anything, you always have to trust what Jesus says, and when He says this, you have to believe it, and it's beautiful the way he says it. So to walk us through that, because I think that was, that was, I think, my favorite part of the message. Wow. I would, I mean. I mean, I just never heard it that way. Than, yeah, I didn't really. I mean, I like that part of the message too, but it wasn't one that I thought that I would hear somebody say that about. Because um, for me, um, there's there some other aspects that, that jumped out to me a little bit more, but I love that. I love that you, that, that, I love it how people find connections with things, and it just tells me that the Holy Spirit is really absolutely working and using things. So the tie-in was basically that Jesus says that he's not going to eat this meal again until he shares it anew with us in the kingdom of God, mm. and that, uh, that, he won't, that he won't partake of that meal again. And it's a meal at a table, and, and then in Isaiah— uh, the text that uh, that we use as our main uh, text this week, it talks about the 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 wedding feast, basically, of the Lamb that's talked about in Revelation, but this is long before Revelation. Isaiah talks about this beautiful feast that God lays out for not just the Israelites, but all the people of the, the world, world with yeah. the best choicest kinds of food, the choicest kinds of drinks, the best desserts, and it's Meats. all laid out. Yeah. Yeah, it's all laid out Crazy. there for us to, to celebrate and enjoy and eat. And Jesus basically says to his disciples, I'm not going to have another meal like this again until I celebrate it together with you in the, in the world made new. And the, and, and the question for us is the same question that, that's posed for each one of Jesus' disciples. Do you want a place at that table or not? The place mm. has already been set. The food has been made. And we could go back to, you know, I thought I only had, I was supposed to only have 10 minutes to preach. And so, but I would have loved to tell the the parable that Jesus told about the the table that yeah. that that the king prepared, and he invited guests to come, and they all came up with excuses of why they couldn't be there. And so, finally, the king says, "Fine, just go out into the highways and byways, and just bring in, bring in whoever will come in." <laughs> and, and and the point is is not that there hasn't been a a place provided for every person who wants it. The point is, are you going to give up your slot? Because you don't have to. There's mm-hmm. a place that's been prepared for you. Don't give up your place. Go. I mean, you know, I don't care who inhabits the White House. If I got an invitation to go have dinner in the White House, I'm going. I'm going. I don't yeah. care if they're my party or not my party or somebody I like or don't like. I'm going to be there. I would. I would love to have a meal. In yeah. the in the White House, it would be an incredible thing. And in the you know the point of the, just think the the God of the universe has invited you to this feast that that someday that you're gonna, and it's not the food, it's the person that's there that that's just gonna be so worth their being being there for. It just kind of uh, helps us understand that God's a romantic in a oh, way. Oh 
Yeah, isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. You know, he's just given this to everyone saying, look, I want you there. Yeah. I'm not going to do this with Justin. I'm going to do yeah. this when we're finally back to where we should when be. it's all yeah. done, yeah. yeah. The way my wife talked about it last night, and this is at like midnight when she got home and I was rubbing her feet and, you know, we're just having this conversation and it was just like the smile on her face and just all the different comments I heard, I've heard and, and, you know, watching the service, the the table and the, the scene that goes in my mind about what that's going to look like and the, yeah. you know, and having a space at the table, it just all really came together in a really powerful message. So it, it's probably not as good as being there live and in person, but if you did miss it, you know, you go back on our website and you, the, the, in the archives is a link in the show notes that will take you back to all the previous messages and, and don't miss it because it really, when you, just the way this was layered in that piece, it just, yeah, it's one all of my favorite together. communion services I've been a part of. Oh, really hands is. down. And I not, that's not because I designed it either. That's, that's is Tammy's design, it, but it, I really was one of my favorites that I've been a part of. Jeff must have the most self confidence ever in history to you know live with live with Tammy and, and her yeah, greatness right? and, and just I feel do. like I'm you I know do. it's every every meal is is so unique it's like how is she going to top it and then she uh, it. sorry Jeff I just uh, your, your your wife continuously comes through yep. in creative ways and yep. you know writing the script for the like, everything just built upon it itself did. this week and I just thought that's what I loved about the music was fantastic yeah music yeah, right you, I didn't even talk about go the music. listen to music it's just go take a yeah take a look at the whole service and just yeah take some time phil as always and his wife i love listening to phil they just made it amazing good yep absolutely so we didn't have time or we didn't incorporate into it this past week the response but we did have a comment from the chat which i thought was good and it was from an anonymous person said beautiful service just a thought that we have all denied and betrayed Christ in some form or another in our life, and we can all look at Judas with disdain, but I believe Christ will still have mercy on him and each of us. Hmm. I, don't, I never know. That's always a question that uh, it seems to come with this, with this topic is what becomes of Judas and... Thank goodness we don't have that, to do not that us part. That, yeah. That's always what, like, I'm glad I don't have to be the one that has to do that. But we don't also know how yeah. or what. And there's, I mean, there's there's different ways of that people go about viewing this. And, and I don't know if this person was kind of subscribing to the universalism idea that that everybody will be saved at, in the end, which is not something that, that I, I believe. And the reason I don't believe it, and I think it's kind of important, is that I don't think everybody will be happy in heaven. I don't yeah, think everybody— absolutely. I mean, I don't think everybody will find would find heaven to be a place that would be heaven for them because, and so I think that the beautiful thing is that God honors that not with eternal fire and torture, but with um, eternal sleep, if you will. That people have the who don't want to choose that. They're not tortured for all eternity, but they're also not going to be allowed to bring pain and suffering and into cancer it. and violence into yeah. into a perfect place. Yeah, there's two pieces of thought. One is the fact that it, it, I love the fact the Bible says that God will give everybody their heart's desire. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's yeah. important. Yeah. to understand, and also the the text in Luke 15 where. The young man who's estranged from his father, he leaves his family, goes off, and does, and by the way, thanks for that sermon that you gave on the prodigal son a, a couple of months ago. 
there is never a mention as to what he does until the older yeah. brother brings yeah. it up. Yep. But it says in there, and it's, it's, a, it's a classic text that I always go back to. It says, when he came to his senses. And I really do believe that we're not in our right frame of mind when, when, we, when we decide we, we want to do it our own way. Now, we can double down on that at times. Oh, yeah. But I think God understands, the Father understood mm. that sometimes we do make bad choices. You know, we, we always think of it as a hot potato, like who's, you know, whose yeah. hands am I going to be in when, <laughs> when my time ends? Yeah. And I hate to think of it that way. I, I think God does give us each of our heart's desires, but I don't think it's a game of hot potato. <laughs> no. And and so I do think that there are there are things that we make choices on. So that's that's a maybe that's a bit of a redeeming aspect for this person, I don't know. But I do think that God knows our internal side, our, our hearts, yeah. our deepest desires in our hearts. I, I so. can remember times in my life when I, there was, I mean, heaven, who cares? I mean, why why would I be happy there? I mean, that was a yeah. a real a real thought that didn't bring me, it didn't feel bad. Yeah. It just felt like this is who I am. This is my life. This is how I live. And I know it's not compatible, at least with what I've been told. And then later on you realize, well, maybe some of what I was told wasn't exactly the way it was, <laughs> and maybe there's a little bit more love than I thought, and maybe this would work. And then there's that that moment when you realize, you know what, maybe I do, and then maybe this yeah. isn't. And so I think when you start on that road back, like it's not a hot potato, it's just – more like the hot potatoes rolling with you and it's, you know, you're just, you're moving in the same direction. Maybe it's not <laughs> holding in your hand. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. But. I feel like this all really uh, nicely and neatly dovetails into our topic for Ooh, next week. Let's really? roll with it. What do you got? Well, it's not what I have. It's what, what the, the, the church has. Yeah. They, oh, um, that's right. This we're is in, we're uh, a great question series, which is where our church members get to, uh, they, they send in their questions that they'd like me to preach on. Oh, that's right. I and have it here, by the way. Yeah. If you want it's, it. Well, I, I know what it is. I've already started working on it. <laughs> have you? Do you oh, yeah. Can you, can you recite it? Can I recite it? Uh, it goes along with the, um, Jesus said that there are sheep in other pastures. Hmm. Um, so does that mean that p- there's more than one way to heaven, basically? Does that mean that people from other religions... Mm. have have a hope of <laughs> salvation too or is it really that there's only one way to the father that's through Jesus Christ so therefore if you are hindu or you were a native american before the spanish missionaries showed up you're just you're kind of in in just not so, too bad you're you're doomed because you didn't so get bring, to hear the name <laughs> of christ so therefore you're doomed so are you bringing a big paddle for the soup Oh, it's, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I, um, I, 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 <laughs> I'm stirring the pot right yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead and stir it. It's going to be fun. I, um, the fun part of this, by the way, and I'll just just as a little bit of a spoiler for this Sabbath, but the fun part of this is, is that there is absolutely no consensus on mm. this topic across Christian Christianity. Really, and. Yeah. There, there's two camps, and if you want to study up, there's there's Calvinist, the Calvinist camp, and then there's the Ar- Arminian camp, which is not to be confused with uh, 
Armenians. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I always, I always hope I pronounce it right because it's so easy to get it. But anyway, there's is two theological schools of thought that will usually go to a long way in how you answer this particular question. Nice. And the one school of thought is that God is just, and God can doom anybody to hell that He wants to because He's sovereign and He's He has a predetermined plan and. That's just the way it is. That's Calvinist side of things. The uh, the other side of things is that human humanity has free will, and that God does not predetermine you to be lost or saved, and you have your free will. He may know the choices you're going to be making, but that isn't the same as Him forcing you to make those choices. And so, um, that's I can't that's wait why. to. We're gonna. I'm not gonna in a 25 minute sermon. I'm not going to be able to begin to scratch the surface of this, so tune into the podcast next week because we'll we'll go a lot deeper. I've got I'll be bringing some extra quotes with me that I'm not going to be able to cram into my sermon, yeah, but it's bring it. It'll be, it is do two, so fun. We can do a two parter if we need to. And I have I I lectured on this a while back at a, a school that I was teaching uh, a religion class at, and uh, it was one of the more hot topics because when I shared oh, yeah. my opinion, there were some people that were not happy about this. <laughs> All right. We so, got something to look so forward to. So look forward to that this Sabbath. You had, some of you may not be happy with me at the end of the Sabbath. <laughs> so are we adding extra time for the response on both? Because I have a feeling we're going to uh, get a, a lot question. of questions. Yeah, you'll have to bring that up with Tammy. She's... It's, that's true. Probably there might be less since I want to kind of want to go long on the sermon. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just make it that they have to. Either way, uh, get this ready: four zero seven nine six five one six zero seven. Get your questions ready. Podcast at wholelife church, and we will make sure that we catch all those. And I just wanted to, as we wrap it up, the, the towards the end of Ken's message, he said, "I invite you to come back next week and spend more time with the body of Christ." I expect you to spend time with Jesus all this week. We don't leave Jesus' presence because we walk out of a building, but we come back to be together as a family, to be at the table together and have communion. And I thought, I said that. You sure did. <laughs> that, that was good. Wow. Way to go. Thank Man. you for, <laughs> thank you for uh, yeah, it's in, writing that down. You might just send me that <laughs> quote. I think I might want to include that in something. It, it's in blue right there at the bottom uh, for you. No, there. you're going to just email it to it's me. Email it's, it's not in, That's uh, hard copy will get lost. Hard copy will get lost. Wow. So if it's in blue, Ken that must, said it. That, that, when I say I said that, it must have been Jesus talking because that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I just thought that what an invitation that, you know, it just, it bears repeating that, you know, we do the podcast, we we try to reach out in on our live services because we want you to mm-hmm. be a part of our family. And so always without question, if you're in town, please do stop by and come and see us and worship with us in person. Uh, a lot of people enjoy it online. It's even better in person, I promise you. And if you come up and say hello, you can get a fist bump, a handshake, or I'll give you a hug if you want one because I'm kind of a hugger myself, and I'm not going to speak for Jeff and Ken. You might just, you know, fist bump, say <laughs> I hey, think whatever. we're all in the same boat here. I don't get okay. it. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm Italian. <laughs> you'll take a hug anytime. I'm English, so I can be a little, you know, but... French and German, so I don't know what that a, means. Yeah. I might squeeze too hard. Anyway... Next week, don't miss it because I'm sure we're going to have a great time. And so, as always, thanks for listening and sharing the podcast and all of your comments and questions. And we'll look forward to seeing you all next week.